I don't think this man has been laid in like a fucking hot ass minute. He's probably so full up to the brim with cum, he's about ready to burst. Welcome to Sex in the Cinema, the podcast that strips down the celluloid to the real reason you watched that movie. Welcome back, cinephiles and perverts. So today we are doing a major departure from form because usually, you know, we... You know, we cover, like, art house stuff and, and films, not made for TV shit, but Lifetime, for the first time in history, put a love scene in one of their made-for-TV movies in their holiday lineup. Usually, you know, with Lifetime movies, it's just a quick peck on the lips, nothing else, so it's a big deal. Yeah, and the movie that we're covering today is... A cowboy Christmas romance. Another development today. So Maggie has been taken into the vortex of holiday capitalism and also Mercury and Gatorade. She had to work tonight. So we have a very special guest who I am thrilled to have on the podcast tonight. We were hoping to have her as a guest on one of our episodes in 2024. So I would like to introduce everyone to the one, the only, Cecilia Conti. I'm Cecilia Conti, as Tori said. Um, should I say You want to share us, like, a fun fact? Um, I know Tori. I have a very long history in the film industry. Um, Her hair is full of secrets, you guys. It is. Which we're not going to spill on this podcast. Yes. Um, but yeah, not the, like, nerdiest film person in the world. Um, in that sense, I mean it in a positive way. Like, I don't know a lot about cinema, but I definitely know myself a good, old, romantic comedy lifetime trope. And so I'm ready for this movie. I want to give, like, a little preamble to this movie. Okay, this is not great art or great cinema, but it has a place. I don't know. Cecilia, like, what do you think is the appeal of these atrocious Lifetime movies? Yes. These movies are basically feel-good movies that are derivative of each other. Mm -hmm. It's like one giant human centipede of, like, the repeating storylines with just a different setting. Maybe the guy has a cowboy hat on. Maybe he has a baseball hat on. But... (laughs) The tropes are very similar. I think there's an appeal to just... I also am not a big Lifetime movie person. Um, I was more into the Lifetime movies that were like... In the 90s. My cheerleader best friend got murdered. Yeah, or like there was that Lifetime movie that Fred Savage, a.k.a. Kevin Arnold, from the Wonder Years, played the abusive boyfriend. And I think it was of Tracy Gold from Growing Pains? No, it was DJ Tanner. Okay, thank you. You're correct. Um, What's her name? Uh, I don't... Candace Cameron. Okay, yeah. Lifetime has shifted from, like, true crime. Because I guess true crime sort of took over in a different direction. And I think it turned into, uh, you know, these feel-good movies where people just want to, especially tied to the holidays, like, you don't want to get bummed out on the holidays. 
there's a sort of interesting like dynamic because like if you're a film lover the holidays is when all the kind of like oscar movies also come out totally. so you're watching like these like dark stories or really intense stories mm-hmm. but then on the other hand there's like the part of you that wants to watch like sugar something, and spice sugar and, and everything spice and everything nice. nice and like everything wrapped up in a bow and lifetime i think they're pretty damn sincere yes they are very formula. sincere exactly i agree with you there they're very sincere and i think a lot of people take them in that way like they just like i just want a good good feelery that's what i call it it's yeah. a good feelery movie you know you're going to watch it maybe the world in some other parallel universe is actually like this and everything works out and the guy is super hot and mm-hmm. has like a body yaddy yaddy maybe but unfortunately not in this real world no but let's take time to enjoy yes the fact that this is one of those movies absolutely and this is a historic film so when asked for a statement by variety magazine as to why they put a sex scene in this movie lifetime executive tina magini responded with we think that there's an audience out there that's hungry for grown-up romance We're looking forward to adding some smolder to the usual holiday sugar and spice. We love trying new things, and we're excited about this new first for a holiday movie. So, I mean, wasn't that spicy, but... It was not. It it was not. But it's, it's more than Lifetime usually gives us, so... Yeah, and I think it's Lifetime's attempt to evolve. I mean, there's no edge in Lifetime, and I think maybe... They just want a little bit more of it, so yeah, yeah. I mean, when we f- when we get to the sex scene, oh yeah, that statement will be hilarious. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's just dive in. So it was released earlier this month. I believe it premiered December 9th on cable, and then it started streaming on December 10th. So it was directed by Jake Helgren, who looks like Nick Lachey, and he's just directed a bunch of other Lifetime movies. And it was written by Sarah Drew. So uh, cool. Yay for the ladies. That's, that's, I mean, it is fucking Lifetime for Christ's sake, but. Yeah. So the movie opens with a shit ton of establishing shots of somehow with too many Christmas decorations where it looks like, I don't know, like a a fucking Hobby Lobby vomited. And they show a a fucking cowboy statue. Just as a reminder, in case you forgot what you were watching. You're in for some cowboy Christmas romancing. Yes. There is some disgusting country music that... Awful. It's it's bad. It's like in the vein of Kenny Chesney, but as... They don't have a budget for that. Yeah. You can just like feel the low budge <laughs> flowing out of your television into your soul. And it's it's very like, even if you knew nothing about this movie and like you watched like the first five seconds, you'd know exactly what you were getting into. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all part of the formula, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So yeah, we have these crap establishing shots. We cut to a big city. We meet. Lexi, who in my opinion speaks like she's on CSI, like she's an investigator on CSI. She's very to the point, very concise. There's little emotion (laughs) in the way she speaks. Yeah, and I think that's, we're establishing that she is... She's a badass businesswoman. Yes. Yes. She's like 
business in the front, business in the back. All business, all the time. I have major issues with her hair. Her highlights are shit, and I think she looks like a Fox News anchor. She reminds me of the first Bachelorette. Okay, yeah, she's very much, it's like you put pantyhose over the camera lens. Yeah. And that's what she looks like. At least she's not like super orange. Like they at least had the dignity to like not give her a mystic tan. Yeah. So she is a partner at a boutique real estate company with her friend. She's a closer. She's a closer. She's ABC Alec Baldwin, always be closing. She's talking to a businessman. She's talking to a couple who wants to buy a house. She's she's got her PowerPoint, like, presentations on lock. Oh, yeah. And I don't think she has any assistance, man. No, she is. Like, like, it's just these two women. staying up late, (laughs) doing these, like, PowerPoint presentations, (laughs) like, and they're just, like, on point. She is, like most of these movies. No time for love. No time for love. No time for anything. Work is everything. So she can sell anything. So this huge opportunity comes in. And the seller apparently is super stubborn. It's going to be like the hardest deal to close ever. And it's like, you know, this deal is going to turn their little boutique real estate agency into a major player. So we have high stakes. But on top of that, Lexi has to go home to Arizona and she swore she'd never go back. Right. Lexi goes into this with like, I'm the closer. I got this. But also, yeah, she has to close the deal by Christmas Eve. Otherwise, it's or else or else. And also just like an important tidbit to remember later, the buyer is sky islands then we cut to the scene of lexi she's hacking and she pulls out this little box of trinkets and alas we find out that lexi is a horse girl horse girl she's got like a blue ribbon and like i don't know it's like a picture of her and just like it's like her and a horse a trophy like (laughs) that she won for riding a tiny little miniature horse She's just very, like, feeling warm- the warmth of her childhood. Wistful. Lexi arrives in Arizona at, like, this hotel. So what you have to know, which we should have mentioned earlier, is that she is estranged from her family and she has a horrible relationship with her dad. Yes. It kind of seems like she was trying to, like, get in and do this deal and then get out without having to see her family. Yes. But then, of course, like, that's not how Lifetime works. So she goes to this bar. She sits down at the bar and she orders a burger and an IPA. Which I can't. And there is, like, this, like, white Pepperidge Farm slice of bread hunk sitting at the bar. He immediately starts talking to her. This is like a ranch man. He's yeah. hazy. You know, he's a man of simple tastes, meat and potatoes, whatever. He's very, um, you don't know at first if he's like this cheesy guy hitting on her or you've this, like, there's this whole moment where he's on the phone and he's like, yes, yeah, sweetheart, yes, yeah, sweetheart. And she's like rolling her eyes. Totally. And he seems like a fuck boy. And he seems like he's like, has a wife at home and then you're like this guy's disgusting and then it's like no like i'm talking to my daughter and she needs to be told a special good night and so you're like oh he's a sweet guy i'm about to rip apart this daughter because when he's on the phone with her 
he it, it I would assume this child is five. Same. He's like singing a song and he's like, we have this little nighttime routine, you know, yeah. where I put her bed. And I'm just like, okay. So like he has like a young child. So after we find out he's not a, you know, not a fuck boy, you know, and he's also got like this whole old school chivalry type thing. So they drink together and they start to flirt. And then we cut to them later in the evening and they're standing by a dance floor, I guess, like in whatever this random bar is. And the date. Oh, well, one thing we forgot to mention is like the 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 blind date who I guess he was set up with his mother by. So the date had said she had texted him. She's like, hey, like, sorry, like kind of flaky. I won't be there for an hour. So, like, he kind of, it's, like, sort of assumed he was stood up. And what you have to understand is that while all of this is taking place, she's also, she's being incredibly braggadocious about how she can close anything, how she can convince anyone to do anything. Oh, she's totally tuning her own horn. Yeah, and she's like, I'm this, this is what I do, blah, 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 I'm a real estate agent. And then um, the date shows up. Yes, and they, she, she, so before the date shows up, she's like, I bet you. Yeah, this is important. $20 or whatever that I will get to you on the dance floor within the next five minutes. And he's like, I don't dance. And then this date shows up. Like, they basically lie to this girl. And Lexi's like, oh, come on, honey. You promised me a dance. So they start dancing. And then we cut to them, like, making out outside of the bar in, like, an alleyway. And it is- on a dumpster. On a dumpster. And it is very clear that this man is not a one night stand kind no. of guy. No. And to the point where she says, I promise not to fall in love with you. And he's like, yeah, that's that's not what I'm worried about. Yeah. As if like this guy is so such a fucking soft boy that he would immediately get extremely emotionally attached after one fuck. Yeah. And, and I think he says something about like, you're leaving tomorrow. Yeah. And- you know, it's like clearly he's saying I'm the one that's going to get attached. <laughs> and his just he's just he has a complicated. He's a complicated. He's a southern complicated cowboy basic man. Stud. By the way, can we just take a minute mm-hmm. to talk about his hotness? Okay, yes, let's do it. Go okay. for it. I am into the bohunk. I have to say. You I, you are. I am from a purely aesthetic point of view. I can appreciate a nice bohunk, and this guy is a nice bohunk, and as the movie progresses, he grew on me, but at first I was like, eh, he's sort of hot, not hot. Yeah. I immediately considered him just, like, V-hot. Okay. But, um... So anyway, yeah, so he is like, I think it's best if we don't sleep together. He goes to the point plot device where they go so far as to not even exchanging names right which is like if you've seen these kinds of movies like you're like "Mm, that means something well yeah obviously he's gonna be the the seller which it's not even spoiling i mean it's just like right yeah so newsflash but this is the funniest okay newsflash he's the stubborn seller but, like, the best part is that, like, it's so fucking stupid, right? Because she's on her way to meet the seller, and she's on the phone with her best friend. Who, by the way, her best friend is that, like, awful best friend, like, that serves no other purpose than just to be, like, 
the audience surrogate of like oh, yeah. her like she doesn't on like, b-roll footage yeah she's just solely there to like engage with the lead actress and her struggles like which is like just it's just such a cliche thing right but anyway so she's talking to her on the phone on the ride to meet selling she's like so who's this guy so what's his name mm-hmm. so what's the deal with him and this is the first time we hear his name. And it's just like, I'm like, at this point, I know he's the seller because it's so dumb. It's so obvious. And I'm like, so you're just now learning about, like, you didn't even Google him? No. Yeah, I, I know. Seriously. Are like, you, why you're so you, good at your job? I know, you, did you, you don't do any Google, Google research? I know. I would Google th- image. No, yeah, Lexi, like, we thought you were good at your job. But anyway, we find out the seller's name is Kobe Mason. Kobe Mason. Kobe Mason. And he's got this ranch, this, like, big, beautiful, like, high-priced ranch that Sky Island Holdings is trying to buy. Right. So Lexi goes to the ranch, and she meets – okay, I think this name – like, I thought this woman's name was Linda, but they call her Mimi for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So basically, she's the mom of who we find out she's, like, Kobe's mom, and yeah. she's, like, the mom of Mason Ranch. And they, like, immediately bond this wo- – they talk about horses. This woman's like, you can ride Black Diamond. She just lets this woman ride one of her horses. Yeah. Like, without really knowing But it's that her. Southern hospitality. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're, they're – they're serving southern hospitality also Mm -hmm. a fun fact that woman that mimi's role Mm -hmm. is played by the same woman who played dawson's mom on dawson's creek deep cuts yeah so yeah lexi hops on black diamond they just entrust lexi with like this prized horse oh we also find out from her meeting with mimi that there's major beef between the Masons and the Crenshaws. And the okay. Crenshaws are Lexi's family. Yes. They, the Crenshaws, are secretly trying to steal the ranch. Like, they're just, like, mortal enemies. Like, yes. It's, so I want to like just bring up... Capulets po- versus Montagues. Okay. First of all, fuck you for stealing my thing that I was oh, about to no! say. Oh, no! But yes, exactly. So we have a Romeo and Juliet story on our hands. Yeah. Like two households. Two households. Both yes. alike in dignity. In fair both. Arizona is where yes. we lay our scene. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. So Lexi rides Black Diamond to like some part of the ranch. Like there's a bunch of scenes by like this horse pen, cow pen, where they like trot them around. I don't I don't fucking know. And she meets Abby. Okay, so. so this is like Tori's beef. Abby is the daughter that Kobe was speaking to and singing to on the phone as if she was a fucking five-year-old. This girl looks like she's 15. Like this this, this girl, she's like a young teenager. Like she's right. a teenager, right? So like, ugh, okay. Abby immediately like warms to Lexi because this girl can't wait to sink her claws into a new mommy that is another trope okay so a single dad with a daughter who wants a mommy 
Yes. And so there's always some sort of little girl. And by the way, yes, this girl's like infantilized. Oh my God. And she like, I don't, I'm getting major homeschool vibes from yeah. her. And like, she's talking about daddy won't let me rope the cows or whatever. He's the thing is too dangerous. And like, she's with like this cow and she's like, this cow is like her fucking best friend. Yes. This is the, like, del- I, she, I don't the- think she has any friends. I think she's living in isolation in this ranch. Yeah. This will all come. She doesn't to, have an iPhone. This will all come to be revealed. Why Sarah Drew, our dear dear writer of this film, <laughs> had trouble with this character because she kind of can't be five. You'll find out later why. But she's fifteen. I don't think she's okay. No, I don't think she's okay she's at all. Clearly, has no friends. Never she's only met, friends with a cow. She's never met a woman except like her grandma, <laughs> Mimi. Mimi, and yeah, it's very bizarre. But I again, it's not like in a ooh, it like what's wrong with her kind no, of mystery. No, they're it's like this a, is just a sweet child. They're just like who's fifteen. Keep going. Okay, for some reason, like, Abby thinks Lexi is, like, the greatest thing ever, and she's, like, so excited to see her, immediately warms her. Then, the guy from the bar, a.k.a. Kobe Mason, enters, and he's like, you stalking me, city girl? And, dun-dun-dun, it's the seller! And she didn't know, Lexi didn't know, so this guy that she made out with is the guy that she has to close this deal with. And it's like, surprise, but like not really, because we all could have guessed that. Okay, Kobe's always having trouble on the ranch. He's like being needy and asking the Crenshaws to overfunction because he doesn't have any staff. And he's like, the cows got loose, I need help roping them in. So Lexi's brothers are there. So we meet Mason and Jack. Jack is the younger brother. He looks like a diet Zachary Quinto with like Groucho Marx's eyebrows. Right. He's like, I'm still the youngest, innocent little guy, but I want to be like more like right. my, my like my big brother and my dad. Right, right. And then, so the big brother's name is Walton. And yes. in my opinion, he looks like an ugly Mark Ruffalo slash Ron Livingston. Mm-hmm. He's like not hot and he's like super angry and he thinks he's in succession. Yes, he's a total. <laughs> he's he like, thinks he's Kendall Roy. Like he's sort of like the villain in the movie, but yeah. like because he's a jerk to his sister. He's a jerk to the montague he's very Whatever. into oh, like other. i'm yeah. su- being the successor to right. our family business and he's also like commercializing yes they're turning the ranch into the, a hotel the ranch into a dude ranch so it's like very like taboo for like these hardcore ranchers of arizona to be like commercializing their process yeah we're like a three generation rancher it's in my blood yeah and so he's like, what you're doing to the ranching business is disgraceful. And he's like, well, we've got a zillion more dollars than you. So we're obviously doing something right. Kobe, like, he's like, you're you're trying to give me to sell my ranch? Like, he he bitches Lexi yeah. out. He's like, I'm not selling. You know, he's got all this pride. She, he assumes she's working for her family. And she's like, no, no, Kobe, I wouldn't. This is for Sky Island's holding company. 
they're the buyer, not my family. So then fucking Lexi's dad rolls up. Oh, yeah. Her mom is dead, as we find out. Um, He also, he refuses to call her Lexi. He only addresses her as Alexandra. And she's constantly like, it's Lexi, dad. It's Lexi. He's stubborn as shit. She, like, gets in this beef with her dad. They, We find out why, like, the source of this trauma later. Because Kobe is a tough sell, she needs to stay a couple more days. So she asks her dad if she can stay. She's like... Oh, like, you're renting out the ranch to be a hotel? Well, I'll stay in the bunkhouse with the ranch hands. Yeah. Doesn't even think about whether these guys would be cool with her staying there. Like, maybe they want to, like, walk around with their D's out. He's like, we've got hotel rooms. I've got a special room for you. I'll give you the presidential suite. And she's like, no, I'm just going to stay in the bunkhouse with the ranchers. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Okay, which brings me to my next point. This whole movie is a fucking fire code violation. The amount of lit candles in every single fucking room is insane. Insane. And they have lit candles in the bunkhouse. Like these Pier 1 pillar candles that you put in your room for like ambiance and shit like that. In this bunkhouse with a bunch of fucking cowboys? There is no way in hell. Yes. No way in hell. I didn't notice that. I sure did. Okay. I sure did. I played a lot of attention to the candles in this movie. Well, the candles were a character. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Okay, so then we cut to a scene with Lexi, Kobe, and Abby at the ranch. Like, an overeager, thirsty, little weirdo shit. The second Abby sees Lexi, she's like, hi, Abby! Like, unhinge, unhinge, and, like, I don't think she's ever left the border of this ranch or been to a school or been to a mall or been to a movie or had an iPhone or an Android or whatever. She's like, Merry Christmas Eve, 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 Eve. Okay. This this thing keeps happening. How old are you? I would say that, like, when I was, like, eight, I'd be like, it's Christmas Eve, Eve. I mean, like, she's a fucking loser. Yeah. It is not good. So then there's this scene where, I don't remember, like, how it happens, but, like, Lexi and Kobe are, like, kind of bonding. They take a horse ride together, and he's like, damn, yeah, I can't believe I didn't recognize you. You were the state champion barrel racer in Arizona. And she's like, it's so it's like she's, like, a big deal. I don't know. So, like, we're establishing more of her background like he's talking about how much he loves his ranch and how ranching's in my blood i'm third generation blah blah and um through this conversation we find out and again like i'm, I'm getting like was sarah drew was this like was she a fan of succession probably because lexi gives this whole backstory about her dad named her brothers the successors after her mom died and screwed her out of the company also like so she's like double trauma, right? She's like, my my mom died and now I'm cut out of the family business. Like, what is, like, I was just double traumatized. Like, fuck this place. Fuck my dad. I'm going to the big city and starting my own thing. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah. So we get that backstory as, you know, that informs us of, you know, some of the significant grade a red beef that is uh you know between these family members so another thing kobe mentions which i thought was interesting is that he thinks he doesn't spend enough time with his daughter because he has too many things to do at the ranch and not enough help 
you spend too much time with your daughter, man. She needs to have some friends of her own age so she can be socially acclimatized to the 21st century world. Right. But I'm going to explain that. Okay. In When we get to it. After that, we cut to Lexi and Jack in the kitchen. They laugh over some, like, dumb story reminiscing about salt and sugar cookies. And, like, he's, like, gives her more shit for, like, disappearing and not being yeah. part of her life. And then he, like, lets, lets her cut tomatoes to make dinner or something yeah. like that. So it's just, just like, slow progress. Slow progress. And I do want to mention one thing about the horse ride. Please do. He's so toxic, nice guy. Yeah. He's, like, it's not, like... It, don't expect this to be, which I did, the, like, you've got male model where it's, like, they really hate each other. Uh-huh. They warm up to each other fast. No, like, there's really no tension. There's no tension. None at all. And they're, like, he knows that her motive at this point is to, like, get her commission mm-hmm. and, like. Oh, yeah. She needs that commission. This is the biggest commission ever. Yeah. And to, like, close the deal. But yet, he's so sweet. He's, like, warming up to her. So, like, it's not... It sort of doesn't fall into that hole of, like... Humanity. True. (laughs) But, like, of that, like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. No, there's no sexy adversity. Just kidding. I love you. Yeah, Yeah. there's no sexy adversity, like, building up tension throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to mention about Lexi and her dad, because they get in a fight and she says, you cut me out of my family's legacy because I'm female. And then he tells her not to get emotional. So then we have this another scene with Kobe and Lexi and the horse pen. And like, okay, so like, here's where I think he's talking about horses as a metaphor for the way that he like approaches sex and women. He He describes the fact that like, you need to establish an intimate connection with the horse. You, you know, and you can't control a horse. Only when you stop trying to control them can you make a connection because horses force us to surrender and be present. And, okay, am am I reading too deeply into this Lifetime movie? Or is, like, is he having sex with the horses? Um, No one else is in this fucking town. But it's, like, I don't know. He's using, like, equine psychology in terms of the way that he approaches sex and women. Yeah, I think that's, but I think he's also, like, I'm trying not to think too deep about this because it's probably just, meaningless because it's a lifetime movie you're gonna get nowhere let's give sarah drew a little credit okay so it's also a metaphor for i think like the way he likes to be approached okay like i think that everybody is don't push me yes like submit to me oh my god do we have a christian gray on our hands i mean i don't know i just feel like it's like also like 50 shades of hay but it's also like, God, if you really break, boil it down, it's just like, it's kind of what he would say, right? I think you're right, but I think like we shouldn't dig too deep. I think let's skip the analyzing <laughs> because I think you just, it's very generically written. Yeah, like, well, either way, they almost kiss. It's just another fucking trope of yeah. these movies. Okay, so then there's this 
other another scene after that where like it's Abby Lexi by that fucking whatever horse pen and it's like a bonding scene where Lexi because she's like such a great barrel like racer and because Kobe's overprotective starts coaching Abby on like how to how to barrel how to barrel race or to like ride the horse I I don't and I don't she like literally in one lesson like becomes like the barrel racer of the year. Meanwhile, Mimi's there to be like, oh my God, you should have seen that turn she took earlier. Yeah. Grandma Mimi is fucking campaigning for Lexi as new mom. Hardcore. Yeah. Because Kobe shows up and Grandma Mimi is like, I've never seen Abby so happy. And then Lexi starts talking to Kobe and she's like, she's a cool kid. And I'm like, you are a fucking liar. Mm-hmm. You are a liar. And then Abby invites her over to lasagna dinner at their yeah. at their house. And by the way, another mention of the Christmas Eve, 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 mm-hmm. Eve, 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 Eve. Like, we're all a fucking loser. We get it. It's not quite Christmas yet, but we're almost there. We gotcha. Oh, my God. Okay. So freaking Lexi has a call with her business partner on B-roll, yes. and we find out... That the Mason Ranch is in major, major debt. Financial disaster. Disaster. Okay, so we have Lasagna Night at Mason Ranch. And of course, fucking Abby's like, Merry Christmas, Eve, 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 Eve. Because she's a fucking freak show. Oh, I, and then at one point, Grandma Mimi even tells Abby to give Lexi space. Did you catch that? No. Yes, like the the Mimi is like give her space. This child is so starved for mom. So so starved for mom, and just like there is a scene where Grandma Mimi is telling Lexi to push for the sale. Um, You know, she's like her son is so stressed, and Kobe's dad was bad with money. Taxes are rising. Yeah, so you have to understand this is an important plot point. Like the mom, the grandma Mm -hmm. Dawson's mom. Yeah, is basically like. I'm team sell. No mention or like nuance of like the fact that this girl could just be there to manipulate the shit out of everyone to sell. Yeah, no. It's like everybody's getting along so swimmingly, which is what kind of bothered me because I was just like, he's like, I won't sell like over my dead body. But then he's like, let's fall in love and it's Mm -hmm. like how do you know you're not being manipulated totally like you're an idiot totally and absolutely and to that point if we'd gotten a little like i think we could have had a little bit richer of a character development i would have liked to see the character of lexi like have this internal conflict about like you know between like her her capitalist Mm -hmm. boss babe like whatever and like you know sort of this more homegrown back to earth part which is apparently her core but again like i guess that is moot right So then we find out that Kobe's wife walked out when Abby was a baby and that he was just crushed. And Mimi says, you be careful with his heart. Yeah. I think this man is too soft. Like, this guy is the opposite of, like, this guy is a figment of female imagination. He is not real. He's basically, he is the fodder for the for the target audience of this movie. Like, who doesn't love a hot-ass, 
male, sweaty horseman who, like, is so broken inside that only the right woman, which is you, can fix him. Yeah. Ugh. It's such a... It's a trope. Yeah. It's a lifetime trope. Hardcore. A lifetime holiday trope. So anyway, after they start talking, Abby comes out and she's like, let us retire to the living room for decorations and refreshments. Then they sit in the living room and Kobe pours the cardinal fucking sin of uh, pulling out a goddamn acoustic guitar okay, and taking his thing. moment okay. to, to fucking serenade the room no, whether they is, like it or not. This is my favorite scene of the film. Okay. Okay. This is a. I throw mon- up in my mouth. This is a montage where the actor clearly couldn't sing. Fine. <laughs> we can't afford triple threats at Lifetime. <laughs> the act, and they didn't want him to lip sync. So there's this incredibly bizarre montage of like everyone enjoying Christmas night to the tunes of this song that's like a ballad sang by a country artist, a man, but he's never moving his lips to the word. I didn't notice that. Never. Not once. Wow. He's just strumming the guitar. So you're like. Power of montage. So you're like. Get away with so much. Is he singing this and we're not showing it? Is he just strumming the guitar and we're put we're laying over a song over it? Like it is so fascinating to me what like I want to know the the like the choice wasn't like a creative artistic choice. Like the choice was like a practical how can we like, make this work? The lip syncing isn't working. <laughs> the the dude can't hold a key. Like it was just so incredible to me it was my favorite scene because it was so fucking bizarre well and everyone's fucking loving it like the mom and abby are just soaking it up giving him fond looks and lexi's like getting all wet and it's like this is an issue with me one of my biggest pet peeves ever is that fucking jackass dude who pulls out an acoustic guitar at a party and just decides that everyone in this room would love to listen to him. Okay, so moving on. Abby, because she's a five-year-old living in a fucking 15-year-old's body, mm-hmm. falls asleep on the couch. Yeah. And they all act like, she, again, they're acting like she's five. Like Kobe and Lexi are whispering and they realize she's asleep. And they're like, oh my God, shh. And Kobe, like, has to put her to bed and tuck her in and hopefully fed an Ambien or something like that. Okay, so now. All right, so go. so now we get into our sex scene. Lexi and Kobe are still, like, in the living room slash kitchen slash dining room, whatever, whatever it is. Lexi tries to help clean up. He grabs her hand. Lexi is talking about, like, it's just so wonderful tonight. To be with family. Jealous. Because she doesn't have a... She's a cyborg. So then, like, they almost kiss. And she's the one who resists this time. And he is like, this is what I want. 
I want this. Yeah. So, like, he takes, you know, he takes He's some, ready. He is ready to go. This guy's. I don't think this man has been laid in, like, a fucking hot-ass minute. He's probably so full up to the brim with cum, he's about ready to burst. Yes. They make out. He lifts her up onto, like, the table. And there's, again, the candles. There is, like, 17 candles burning, like, tapers on every single surface of this house there is like this weird candelabra thing he lifts her up to put her on the thing he shove he like moves the candelabra over to like make her room for her ass i thought he was gonna shove it off the table yeah like and then the whole house was gonna catch on fire you know to augment the trash fire that is this fucking movie so anyway, they like make out and like the mom, like grandma Mimi's like, good night. And she's like, well, I can't take you back to my place. I'm sharing a cabin with like six ranch hands. And he's like, I don't know where we can go. So he takes her to the barn and tosses her on a haystack. Then he takes his shirt off as though he was presenting his body like a gift yes. to her and the viewers correct and here's where like it gets racy because i think because it's not racy Mm -hmm. like tori like kind of just went as far as like the the movie goes well but they're openly talking about fucking yeah and he's like like, you a cowgirl or what right and she's like well i mean when you said rolling the hay, I didn't mean like literally rolling the hay. Right. Like, They're trying to be tongue, like, tongue in cheek. They're trying yes, real it's hard. Totally cutesy. And yeah. like, but they're openly talking about that they're about to fuck. Yeah. And that's where like, that's as far as the raciness goes. Well, and like what confused me for a second. So like, I guess she didn't want to fuck on the hay. So he brings out what a I door. thought was a massage table. No, it was like a branch door. Or, no, I, was it a door or maybe it was a cot? I don't know. I kind of thought it was like, maybe it's because like, I kind of was like Im- imagining like the door from Titanic. Like, oh, <laughs> whoa, that's quite a jump. <laughs> but he's like getting the door. He's just like. There's he a, rips a door off the wall. No, not off the wall, but there's like an old door lying around. That would be less comfortable than a haystack. Fair. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's her go. issue. I don't know why she doesn't want to fuck in the hay. She's just being fancy. She doesn't want fucking hay up her pussy. Well, she... Whatever the case, it's showing that he's, like, going to make this as comfortable as possible for her, but it's still kinky as fuck. It's still cowboy kink because they're fucking in the barn. Yeah. In the hay. Yes. But... Yeah, obligatory haystack moment. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, he pulls out this cot slash, slash massage table slash door and <laughs> she like she like giggles and then he like picks her up um, and then it cuts out and we assume they go yes. on the massage table slash door slash and pot and bone. So then it cuts to the morning and they're in the cot slash massage table slash door together. He's shirtless and she's in her <gasps> scandalous bra. I know. She's which in her we, bra. Which can we quickly talk about the bra? It's thing? ugly. They couldn't have given no. it like it's like not the bra in the movie, but just the bra. What's going on in bras and television? Like the bra exhibition. There's a better way to do it where you don't have to show 
full boobage, but like it's I think so- it was just scandalous that she was in a bra. I don't think we've ever seen someone like a woman in a bra in a lifetime holiday movie before. It was like the straps. Do true, but like we could have gotten like a little lingerie, like some lace. Maybe that'd be too much. It would be too hot to handle. For a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, this is as racy as it gets. You get yeah. the morning after, he's shirtless, she's in some bra, but there's also, like, I don't remember. Was there a sheet? There I was, like, know. there was some sort of blanket situation. She's, like, washing him sleep, and he's, like, stalker. Because, yeah. you know, she's, what that's, like, his, like, cutesy, like, thing. But yeah. it's, like, not that mean. Abby! comes in and she's like daddy she's like outside the barn in fucking footy pajamas because she's a freak loser and then kobe's like tells lexi to hide yeah and he he pops his head out of like the barn loft door and he's like i'll be down in a minute honey so lexi goes to hide in another part of the barn where apparently he keeps his work desk with all of his fucking important papers, all these loose receipts, all these unpaid invoices strewn all over the place. And it's like open. Like this is like, it's an open wall. There is no way in hell all that shit wouldn't get wet or blown around all over the place. It's fucking insane. So she finds all of those, and then he comes in, and he gets pissed at her, and he's like, how dare you? And it's like, dude, you just, like, let this shit lay around, and you told her to hide. Where the hell was she supposed to go? But also, like, can we quickly talk about the fact that, like, the bill is, like, (laughs) there's a hard red rubber stamp which i don't think is a thing overdue right 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 (laughs) and i don't think that's a thing anymore because i definitely would have seen that on some of my bills yes if that was still a thing i pay my bills all the time but um i mean i pay them too but like i said times are hard times Times are are hard times are hard hard. cecilia i know but i'm saying like it was just hilarious like it was just like so (laughs) hammed up it was so so hammy like you better make sure to understand that his bill is overdue. Yeah. All that shit. So anyway, they get a fight. He gets pissed at her. And she tells Kobe that, like, she cares about him. And that's why she wants in a cell. And he continues to dig his hoofs in. Yeah. And reinforce, like, I'm not selling. And she's like, okay, I support you. I'll tell the buyer it's off. And then we end the scene. And did he... Did Abby just get left out there the whole time? Yeah, she's just waiting. She's just waiting. She's just waiting for an indeterminate amount of time because they never wrapped that up. Okay, all right. So then we we cut to this very formal business meeting breakfast at the Crenshaw Ranch with Dad, no, Jack, I- Mason, and Lexi. Okay, so like earlier in the movie, Lexi and Jack had been riding, and her brother Jack had been riding horses, and Mason comes up like out of, out of nowhere, and he's like, we have breakfast with the family, 7 a.m. Okay. Don't be late. That's a great aggressive as fuck yeah 7 a.m breakfast are you kidding me but hell no i would I'll, i would be there fully dressed <laughs> full face just kidding i don't even do a full face for the nighttime but yes it is aggressive so this is yeah it's like the dad invited them all there to discuss 
the family business changes and their roles. And again, I'm like succession flashbacks and it's just like the super contested conversation where they're all fighting with each other. Mason's like, well, I've done like all the hard work. Like he clearly like thinks the company is his. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like. He's Kendall. Yes. He is kind of like the Kendall. He's the Kendall. And like. the Shiv. Jack is a poor excuse for a Roman. Yeah. Let's just say. Sarah Drew is a fan. Sarah Drew is absolutely a fan. We're calling it now. So anyway, Lexi and her dad get in this big blow up fight where she was like, the ranch is what I loved most and was best at and you took it away. And he like won't validate her feelings and he won't apologize. And then she gets on a horse for an emotional support ride, which brings me to like sort of a greater, bigger picture question that this movie made me think about. I'm pretty sure humans are just trauma dumping on animals constantly. Mm -hmm. Are they okay? (laughs) I mean, scientifically, I think the answer is no, because they pick up on the human's emotions. So I think there's your answer. But I want to point out how horrible her crying I, thing that is. was my next thing. He does a, she does, I wrote, Lexi cries and she does a bad job of it. <laughs> Horrible. It's bad, man. I didn't expect any better. Like, it no tears it. are going to come out and, like, she's not going to make an ugly face. And she's crying in the horse and she's like. <laughs> and then she, like, hugs the horse. God, this poor horse. Like, that's like, what is happening? Dude, that horse, like, she deserves to be thrown off by Black Diamond. Or there's, like, Black Diamond and, like, this Palomino that has no name that she's constantly riding around. Um, Then we cut to the scene with Mom and Kobe where, or excuse me, Grandma Mimi and Kobe where she's really pushing Kobe to sell. And he's bending and he calls Lexi and says that he's selling. So then we have a scene with Kobe and Lexi where they meet again at this horse pen and he signs and she's like, you're a good dad. I would argue otherwise. I think he is a fucking helicopter parent who refuses to socialize his child. Right. Yeah. Part of the whole problem. All right. So then we cut to Christmas Eve. Okay. So there's a big storm coming. Oh, there's a big storm. Big storm. Coming. We get a little climate change uh, commentary, uh, I think, where he's like, it, within the next two hours, it's going to drop 20 degrees. And because, like, it's like a ranch, like, they need to get all of the animals secured in whatever way. But he can't get a hold of any ranch hands who are, like, all, you know, like, they're all on it's vacation or whatever. It feels the same. Everyone's on PTA. I feel the exact same. Dude, bro, like, Kobe, I feel you, man. I feel you so hard right now. Like, I I get it. Oh, he also won't let Abby help. She's, like, standing. She's like, Daddy, I can do it. And he's like, no, honey, it's too dangerous. But this is important. Yes? Just, no. Oh, yeah, it's important. important. Like, remember that fact. Yeah. So, Kobe goes to the Crenshaws, asks for help. Lexi and Jack say they will help. But then Walton walks out and spills the beans being like i knew you would sell eventually and like then we find out that sky island holdings llc is the crenshaws it is a shell corporation so basically kobe freaks out and he's like lexi like you fucking bitch well that's not what he says but but he's you know like he's like all pissed off and she's like kobe i swear i swear i didn't know like blah 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 so anyway 
He's all pissed off. So we're back at the barn. You know, like they're like, we don't have enough people. Like blah, blah, blah. So then Jack and Lexi show up to help. He uh, reluctantly allows Lexi to help like rope up all the animals and put them away, whatever they have to do. Again, Abby is like, I'm big enough, daddy. And he won't let her go out. So anyway, the storm is getting worse. And of course, Abby decides to go rogue and takes a horse and goes out and like tries to help. So everything's like going fine. But then Abby fucking dumbass Abby can't find that cow Tulip. That's her only friend. So she's like going around like Tulip, Tulip, Tulip. And it's getting real, real windy. Mm -hmm. And um, Jack and Mm -hmm. Mimi and Kobe and Lexi all go back to the barn and she's not there. So they all go out searching for her. She's effectively ruined everyone's Christmas, basically, with just... Yes, and Tulip is apparently, like, stuck. Her belt is stuck. Yeah, I don't know. Tulip gets stuck to a fence. And, and like, so she's like, uh, help me, someone. Yeah, Because like, the storm is coming. Help. And then she cuts her hand really bad I didn't even see wire. it get cut. I didn't either because maybe they're not allowed to show blood on, <laughs> on Lifetime. They can but, show bras, no blood. Yeah. They find Abby. Kobe has to carry Abby or whoever. Someone has to carry her into the barn because she cut her hand and she can't walk, apparently. Mm-hmm. So they're making, like, this whole big fuss of her. They're like, she's too cold. They, like, they put her in a blanket. And it's like, you're treating, like, this girl like she has scarlet fever in, like, 1840 or something like that. Right. Like, everyone calm the fuck down. So here's the exact moment where Sarah Drew's dilemma comes into play with the character of Abby. Okay, okay. Because every single moment in this film, that character should have been a five-year-old girl. Yes! But a five-year-old girl is not going to go out and, like, ride a horse into the night and gather cattle. I don't know. A plucky... Okay, maybe eight. I'll go with eight. A plucky, spunky eight-year-old who grew up on a ranch. I'd buy it, man. I would buy it. Even ten. Even ten. Just like this girl is clearly a teenager. She is. And this is, I think this is Sarah Drew's dilemma. Yeah. They all go back to the Crenshaw's ranch because I guess it's like too far to get to their other I I I I don't know. So the Masons are all at the Crenshaw's so ranch. So everyone's having like a sleepover at the Crenshaw. Yeah, because... and they're all fighting. And then Abby's like, stop! It's Christmas! But then Lexi gets in another fight with her dad and she's like, you never see me. And then the dad reveals that the mom wanted her to have more options that were not just the ranch. And that's why he did it. He said he's proud of Lexi and he didn't communicate correctly. And he apologizes and says, and he cries. And then he says, I want my daughter back. And all fences are mended. Yes. Within two minutes. Okay, so then we cut to this other scene where Kobe is tucking Abby into bed. There is a burning candle on her nightstand. I'm sorry, but if you are so worried about your child, get that fucking fire hazard out of her room. Correct. I just, like, have a lot of issues with the candles in this movie. Yeah, but you know what? It looks 
beautiful it does screen. it does like dude like abby's so stupid he's she's probably gonna set her own hair on fire in the middle right. of the night oh also she is talking to kobe about how much she looks lo- loves lexi and she is also campaigning alongside mimi to elect lexi as new mommy new mommy so then the next day you have to go back because you didn't mention the really really important thing okay okay go alongside the fact that the dad really was letting Lexi spread her wings wings. and fly away Mm -hmm. to learn another skill but ranching per her mom's request. You also find out that he bought the ranch for her. Oh, I missed that completely, and I watched this movie twice. Okay, so he bought the ranch for her as a gift. And Lexi now owns the Mason Ranch. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm following you. Okay. Yes. So Lexi meets up with Kobe and she offers to sell him his ranch for the price of $1, which I knew was coming. I knew it. I just like, I called it right before it happened. So he's like... Are you sure you want to do this? Blah, blah. And then she goes off. She's like, I have a five point plan already in action. So she's basically project managing the rescue plan for his ranch. She says they would need to be partners and that she wouldn't be in town full time, but she'd be here a lot. He accepts. And she says, that's not all I want. I also want you. And he's like, you have me. And then they kiss and then we cut to this scene of the Crenshaws and the Masons having some, like, Christmas breakfast Feast. together. And then the movie ends. But, okay. I have a thought about the future of the, the, their relationship. Well, I do too. Go. I do not think this guy is going to be able to handle a long distance, maybe half committal relationship. He needs a wife like yesterday. Yeah, but at the same time, I felt like she she's like, I'm not buying that she's fucking still doing her realtor shit. Like, yeah. I think she's leaving her friend in the dust. Which, totally. by the way, her poor no. business partner was not informed about yeah. any of this shit as yeah. far as we saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad she business. Just gets, she just gets left in the dust. I think she's going to move to the ranch in the story's in the story's mind's eye, she's going to move to the ranch. They're going to live happily ever after. They're gonna, she's going to handle the finances and the business. He's going to handle the horse training because that's the perfect pair they make. But my thing is these two motherfuckers like have literally nothing just in common. Met. Oh, dude, 100%. Like they're making a deal with the fucking devil like your bitch wife when she turns into your bitch wife (laughs) which she eventually will because everything falls apart is gonna own your fucking ass she's gonna take you to the cleaners like it's just whatever like or he's gonna do that to her because i guess he bought it for one dollar like i don't i think she will stray from him i'm just saying like it is the stupidest resolution ever because they become business partners and love partners. And that is like 
for a for a couple that's been together for two years, that's probably a mistake. Yeah, but they've like been together for like four forty days. five minutes. Yeah, this is not gonna work out. They know they, nothing. Like, they boned they one once. Time. They boned one time. They are literally. It's just so stupid. Again, we are trying to make the Hobby Lobby customer. Happy. happy and horny that is all the job of this movie dude i wonder like were there any viewers who were like this is too like i wonder is there any blowback to this movie where people are like this is too risque like lifetime has gone too far well you know who wouldn't be allowed to watch this movie abby correct she sure as fuck would not that girl has probably never seen a movie i know but I'm telling you, it was because they couldn't have a little girl going out into the woods, like, herding cattle. Like They could have had a 10-year-old do that. They could have totally had a 10-year-old do that. That's a fair argument. But I was like, when I was watching it, getting annoyed with how infantilized she was, I was like, this is weird. And then I was like, oh, I Here, see. I get the bind that Sarah Drew was in. in yeah yeah i mean dude abby's also gonna be like fucking double traumatized when this doesn't work out oh my god like it's gonna be so ugly like that girl a- needs to get in therapy stat right so 0.0 stars no I'm just- i mean honestly dude i i as far as like these holiday christmas movies go like i felt like this was a piece of crap but i am glad i watched it the only thing redeeming about this movie is that it made history and that's why we're it covering did. it yes and it was, you know, it made was history and headlines, history and headlines. And again, folks, if you're looking just to feel good, if you've had a bad day or you're really bored and you don't feel like watching Oppenheimer, <laughs> you, you know, it is one of so many choices of garbage that you can watch yeah. to make yourself feel a little better and like feel like life could be in a parallel universe a little simpler. Yes. But any final thoughts about this trash fire? Um, my final thought is, you know, I already said it. Yeah, I, I I literally have nothing left. Like there really there is barely anything to There's dig like, into listen, this. Movie. If There's you no want substance. to. It's a choice. We've <laughs> spoiled it for you, but you know what? Watch Oppenheimer. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Neither have I. Um, all right. <sighs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening for our special Christmas, well, our holiday Christmas special episode. Happy holidays. Try not to kill your family. And uh, happy new year. And we will see you in twenty. 20- 24. Let's hope it's better than 2023. It never is. It never is.
Thank you for listening to Sex in the Cinema. You can find us on Instagram at Sex in the Cinema Pod. And also feel free to reach out to us on email at sexinthecinemapod at gmail.com. Um, at some point, we're going to get our shit together to make a TikTok. Uh, Maggie will be handling that. And uh, thanks for listening and see you next time.